Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Yes, indeed. Here she is. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you know you're in the right place. We say it, we mean it, and people around the world have told us it's true. So let's check the buzz today and see what's happening. We found a quote from a young author, and she calls herself a leaderpreneur named Bedimi Mark Mordi. The two last names are hyphenated. Here's the quote. I think you'll find it very provocative. Quote, the human spirit is like an elastic band. The more you stretch, the greater your capacity. So what in the world are we talking about? Well, we're talking about career stretch opportunities. If you're new to the term, let's break it down. It's a temporary assignment within the company where you're currently employed, requiring you to pull in your expertise outside of your regular job duties. And it's being embraced by many companies today as well as workers. Why? Well, the company you're working for gets to see you strut your stuff in maybe a different capacity, a different language, a different form of what they hired you for. As far as the staff goes, the employee, it gives you a chance to try out and show what you can do. You can showcase new skills. You might be able to get in on a different team, express your passion for different parts of what the company does. So the big question on the table, now that we've explained it, is how do you know If you're ready for a stretch assignment, if one comes your way, how do you know whether you should stretch for a stretch and say, hey, I want that opportunity. I've done it. I know how well it works. How do you know what to do if it's offered to you? Can you negotiate it on your own terms? These are all very important questions. We have a panel of three experts, and I mean experts, who will offer their insights, help us answer these questions, and they'll also be discussing a report by a company called Be Leaderly, and we'll be talking about them in a moment on how there may be a difference in how each gender responds to the opportunities to stretch. Looking through the gender lens, is readiness to stretch different? Well, we're going to find out. Let me tell you who my three panelists are before I introduce them, before you hear from them, and then we'll get started. First up, I'm very pleased to welcome Selena Rezvani. If you want to look her up, R-E-Z-V-A-N-I. She's the Vice President of Consulting and Research at Be Leaderly. I just mentioned the name. Joining us also is Robert Solomon, Network of Executive Women, N-E-W. We're going to talk to him about what he does there. Very interesting organization. And rounding out the panel is Shushi Sharma, I have to pronounce it right, S-H-U-C-H-I, Shuchi Sharma, Global VP and Leader of Gender Intelligence, yes, there is such a thing, at SAP, so welcome to our esteemed panelists. Let's start off with the quote, Selena Resvani at Be Leaderly has sent me from Amy Poehler, oh come on, if you're alive, you know Amy Poehler, American actress, voice artist, comedian, extraordinaire, director, producer, writer, improv artist, oh my, Saturday Night Live, Upright Citizens Brigade all kinds of movies with her buddy Tina Fey. Go look her up if you don't know who she is. Here's the quote. It's a long one. Listen up. Ambivalence is a key to success. I will say it again. I'm still quoting her. Ambivalence is a key. You have to care about your work, but not the result. You have to care about how good you are and how good you feel, 
but not about how good people think you are or how good people think you look. You will never climb Career Mountain and get to the top and shout, I made it, unquote. Selena, that was a long quote. How did I do? You did fantastic, Bonnie. <laughs> and, you know, look, what's not to love about Amy Poehler? But, but, you know, looking at this quote, ambivalence is part and parcel of stretch opportunities, the ones you just described. You know, do I have interest in this? Do I have the bandwidth to take on this stretch opportunity? Will I succeed if I take it on? We, we are ambivalent by nature because we're measuring and calculating, should I do it? Um, most of us don't see ambivalence as a positive, and, and I love that about Amy's position and this quote. And I think there's a lot of freedom in being able to detach a little bit from the outcome how exactly is this going to turn out if I stretch and to kind of realize it's a zigzag trip. You're going to gain a lot from the trip, um, not, not only the destination. Um, and, you know, I think the final point here is a well-lived career, as Amy kind of teaches us, mm-hmm. it has you vacillating between fear and excitement. And, very, and very interesting. All about. Selena, I have, I have a comment for you, and thank you. Great quote. The comment is, we talk on many of our Game changer shows about the concept of design thinking, and one of the mantras or mottos or ways of living design thinking is fail fast, fail often, but learn from your failures, learn from your mistakes. So do you think that could be an interpretation of Amy Poehler's very interesting use of the word ambivalence is don't care that much, but do your best, but if you fail, start again or retrofit what you did and see how you can make it better better constantly improve. Your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, 100%. I think failing forward puts you where? It, you know, it puts you in the spotlight. People who are attempting and even failing in the process are visible. They're examples. They set a precedent. And, you know, where you're not usually is somewhere back in the shadows where nobody notices or sees you. So, yes, I think there's an advantage just being out there, trying and attempting, um, not to mention uh, the fact that you can learn and do it better in round two. Thank you. Very good opening to our show. I have a stretch, very interesting story to share, but I will bring it in later. I don't want to interrupt the flow of getting our our, uh, panelists on. So thank you, Selena. Delighted to have you on, and we'll talk about Be Leaderly in a few minutes. Now let's welcome Robert Solomon. Robert, thrilled to have you on. And Robert has sent us a quote from a writer named Sally Hogshead. Sally wrote, How the world sees you. Ha, interesting segue from Selena's quote from Amy Poehler. Discover your highest value through the science of fascination. Wow. Very, very interesting. Uh, Sally Hogshead rose to the top of the advertising profession in her early 20s, writing ads that fascinated millions of consumers. She appears on the Today Show. She's quoted in the New York Times. She was inducted into the Speaker's Hall of Fame and on and on and on. So let's get to the quote. The world is not changed by people who sort of care Robert Solomon. May I call you Robbie, or do you prefer to go formal with Robert? Welcome. Thank you so much, Bonnie D., if I may. Um, so everyone calls me Robbie. And, and the world is not changed by people who sort of care. And in 2018, 
we live in a world that's ripe for change. Um, we have an American presidency that's changing. We have business that's facing Me Too, um, uh, a movement. We are living in a time where children are taking on gun rights that they are not legally old enough to own. The world is not changed by people who sort of care. It's something about having passion, showing up as your authentic self, and when you are being yourself, Sally would say you are most fascinating. People are drawn to you, and you're able to achieve some of those things that Amy Poehler was talking about in that previous quote. So um, I'm totally engaged with this uh, going beyond sort of caring. How do I become all in? How do I inspire leadership? How do I give people um, the tools to go after their, their most audacious a- ambitions? Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Very, very interesting. I had a comment, and I was interested picking up your title here. I want to make sure I introduce you properly. You're the Director of Talent Development within the NEW Network of Executive Women. Very apropos. Oh, I have a comment. Robert, Robbie, many people today use what I call filler words. We all know how they interject them when they're thinking while speaking live, like we are. Um, or uh, what What about what if, uh, right? So we, we know that. I'm not being critical of, of speech patterns, but I hear more and more the term sort of. So when you brought it to my attention in the quote just now from Sally Hogshead, I'm thinking I listen to news shows. I won't tell you which channel I have on in the background most of the day when I'm not broadcasting. And people say, well, this person sort of said this. They sort of lobbied for this. They sort of voted for this, and I'm wondering, Robbie, have we become a sort of society, culture, generation where we're afraid to be what you called audacious and just commit? Are we afraid to commit? Is that where the sort of comes in? Just a, a quick comment on language. What do you think? Um, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> that was beautiful. Absolutely terrified of failing. We are in constant pursuit of perfection at the expense of excellence. We can be wonderful at what we do when we stop worrying about failing. I love the failing forward concept, and we work at new to expand the leadership capacity of women and men within retailing consumer goods and other industries. And what we are pushing is really about this uh, audacious, uh, being, being authentically you not apologizing about it, and really embracing who you are. So that fear of failing is absolutely, we're all going to fail. Uh, Regardless of where you are in your journey, whether you are the CEO or you've just got your very first job in high school, you're going to have setbacks, and you have to embrace them. You cannot get better if you don't embrace your setbacks. And what about this sort of generation? Do you think people just are afraid to dip their toe in the water and say, I commit? Do you think? Because in a stretch, you're not going to have the chance to say, well, I sort of want it. People say, well, you do or you don't. Do you think that's a, a delay tactic or a, a not sure of yourself, lack of confidence? Where is that coming from? I think it's lack of confidence. I think people know what they want. When they take time to examine themselves, they absolutely know what they desire and can go in lots of different directions. We have this this false idea that we were born to do one thing in life because we've seen the savants of the world do so many great things and they we feel like you know what i have to find what it is that i was born to do the truth of the matter is you were born to do lots of great things 
from a family aspect, you might just be a husband or wife, a daughter, a son, a nephew, a niece. You can do so many things and be excellent at them. You're never going to be perfect at any of them. So when we get asked um, a question and we go to sort of, it's more our, our fear of moving forward in that space that is unknown. Thank you, Robbie. Appreciate that very much. We have a lot to hear from you coming up. And now let's welcome back a panelist who's returning. She's been off the show for way too long. Shuchi Sharma, Global VP and Leader of Gender Intelligence at SAP, as I already mentioned. And let me get to her quote. Shuchi has sent us a quote from Simon Sinek. He was quoted on another show this week. He's getting very popular. Not quite up to the quotable quotient of Darwin or Drucker or Yogi Berra or Einstein, who's at the top of the list, but I'm liking the Simon Sinek more and more. It's Simon O. Sinek, born 1973. I call him a young man. British-American author, motivational speaker, marketing consultant. He is taught How Great Leaders Inspire Action is listed as the third most popular TED Talk ever, and he has written five books. I'll just give you one or two. Start with Why, How Great Leaders Inspire Everyone to Take Action, and another one, Leaders Eat Last, Why Some Teams Pull Together and Others Don't. If you don't know his work, go find him, S-I-N-E-K, and here is the quote. The greatest contribution of a leader is to make other leaders. Shuchi, welcome back. How have you been? Good. Thanks so much for having me, Bonnie. It's a pleasure to be back on the show. Delighted. Talk to me about this quote. I'm, I'm starting to get very familiar with Simon Sinek. Why this quote? We're talking about career stretch, and now you're talking about leaders. How does this fit together? You know, what I have learned in my career, Bonnie, is that we cannot go it alone. There are a few things that you can really accomplish with impact by yourself. Ultimately, there's other people involved And you have to bring them along. And what a leader can really do well is amplify their own impact by cultivating other leaders. And a lot of time, it's really about finding what other people are really good at, helping them recognize it, empowering them to take that skill or strength forward, and then at the end of the day, really getting out of their way. I think it was um, Steve Jobs who said something like, We hire smart people to tell us what to do. We don't hire them so we can tell them what to do. And in this way, I think, you know, stretch assignments that we're going to talk about today are a great way for people to showcase their skills. So often we get a job at a company and we get hired and immediately it's forgotten all of the great experience that we bring to the table. And so it's important for organizations to recognize the vast, skills and experiences people bring to bear on their business and really leverage them fully, uh, not only for the individual itself, but for the organization and their innovational impact as a whole. Thank you, Shushi. I looked up the Steve Jobs quote. You were right on target here. He said, it doesn't make sense to hire smart people and tell them what to do. We hire smart people so they can tell us what to do. Thank you for that. One of his most famous, famous quotes. There you go. Pleasure to have you back, Shuchi, and looking forward to a lot of good information from you. Let's get a little up close and personal with our panelists right now. This is the part of the show called What's in Your Cup Today? So, Selena Rezvani, we'd like to know, number one, where are you calling from? We don't need the Google Map coordinates of the roof of your house or the number on your office door, but close enough. And we'd love to know if you're drinking something interesting, what is it, or 
what really, really powers you? What's your favorite drink in the whole world that makes you smile? Selena? Sounds good. Um, I'll give you a hint. It's not decaf. And uh, I'm drinking <laughs> the Philly Special over here in Elkins Park, Pennsylvania, right outside of Philadelphia, north of the city. And I have a killer French roast that Chestnut Hill Coffee makes. And this is a little cafe, historic, cobblestone-lined neighborhood in Philly. Um, after about cup three, I can see and hear and think, Bonnie. That's a good thing. <laughs> Thank you very much. Killer French roast. You had me at the word killer and putting coffee in t- together. Yes, I know, I know. A quick story. One of our panelists a few weeks ago, Andreas Fischer at SAP. Um, Shuchi, you may know him. He was on a show, and he talked about mushroom coffee. And I was so intrigued, and he said, it's packed with caffeine. And I'll tell you a story about that later. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I Googled it. I read a little bit about it. We all had a good laugh. Well, a week later, I get a note from the uh, the receptionist in Hudson Yards, the new SAP office in New York, and they said, Bonnie, please come pick up this envelope. Well, I'm in North Carolina now. I moved. I wasn't in the city anyway. So they FedExed me this interoffice envelope, and inside is a packet. looks like a teabag packet, and it's mushroom coffee with shiraga uh, and lion's mane, and you're only supposed to have one cup a day, Selena. It's that potent. So I emailed Andreas and thanked him very much. I said, do you really drink this stuff? And he said, it burns a little bit the first time, but you get used to it. It's supposed to be a massive caffeine kick. So I, I offer you that with your three cups of, of uh, Philly Special. Thank you, Selena, very much. And now let's go to Robert Solomon. Where are you and what what drink powers you, Robbie? I am just west of the Quantico Marine Space in Stafford, Virginia. And this morning in my cup, I also have a French roast, but I'm not a coffee purist, so I have mixed it with hot chocolate and a bit of hazelnut. So it's my Solomon Mocha. Ooh, I like that. Are you going to package it? Are you going to sell it? In no way on earth. So the whole goal was to get enough <laughs> caffeine to have a wonderful dialogue with uh, Bonnie and one million listeners. So, no, we were just going to enjoy it and, and use that energy to power through. I can hear you powering, and I can hear the smile, and I can see it in your wonderful PR photo here. So thank you, Robbie. I'm seeing you. You've already posted some tweets at hashtag SAP Radio, and it's a slightly different picture than the one you sent me, but it's the same tie and jacket. So I think they just took different angles. Love it. Thank you very much. And Shuchi Sharma, where are you today, and what do you love to drink? Bonnie, I think I am smack in the middle between Selena and Robbie, calling you from beautiful Frederick, Maryland, a place that I now call home. If you've never been, I highly recommend a visit. It's absolutely lovely here. And in my cup, I have a half-calf dark chocolate, molasses, nutty, fresh roasted coffee. Uh, from my local roaster, and uh, anyone who knows me know I lo- knows I love all things dark chocolate, and it's uh, half full because I am a half full kind of gal. <laughs> I, like I see the world that way. <laughs> 
I like that. That goes back, if anybody's too young in our listenership around the world to know, the question was, do you see the glass half full or half empty? And Chuchi said she sees it half full. I like that. I see it about at 95% most of the time because there's always a little chance to stretch. See, I got that word in there. Let me tell you what I'm drinking. Shuchi may remember the other two panelists don't know me very well. They do not let me anywhere near caffeine. On radio show days, Robbie and Selena, I think you know why. So all I'm allowed to drink is a cool, clear glass of water. I brought my mug from New York with me when I moved here to Durham, North Carolina, six months ago. And I have a pink straw because we had snow and ice and sleet 24 hours ago, 36 hours ago. And the mantra down here is if you don't like the weather in Durham, wait either 20 minutes or 24 hours and it will change. P.S. The snow is gone. It's a beautiful sunny day, a little windy. The plants are still green in the ground. And my landscaper is taking me on a walk through the nursery to pick my garden flowers in about three weeks, and I can't wait. So the pink straws for the sunshine. That's all I'm going to say. I want to go around the table a little bit and find out what you all do about your organizations before we take our break. So, Selena, would you please tell us a little bit about what Be Leaderly is, what you do, what the mission of the organization is? Yes, it's my pleasure. We have a very simple mission, and it's to help emerging women leaders advance to top spots within their organization. And we get to do that through training with aspiring women leaders, webinars and workshops, that kind of thing. But we also work on the flip side of the coin, which is what about their workplace cultures? What about Mm -hmm. their employers? Uh, We do consulting with a diagnostic, and that is my chief job to architect those consulting projects to look at the organization and say, how could you be more inclusive, more welcoming to women, do a better job retaining the women that that work for you? Mm -hmm. And uh, the last piece is that we work on research. It's important to us to really keep our fingers right on the pulse of the experience of working women. And so the study we're going to talk about today comes right from our research division. Thank you very much. Looking forward to that. And Robert Solomon at NEW Network of Executive Women. Tell me, what do you do there and what what is this network all about? How long has it been around, Robert? So good afternoon again. So NEW is a nonprofit 501c3 membership organization where we are dedicated to advance women, grow business, and transform our industry's workplace through the power of our community. We harness the energy from women and men at the bottom of organizations, as well as senior executives and CEOs at the tops of organizations to help achieve gender parity throughout the country and world, where we ultimately envision a workplace without limits, where you can show up, you don't have to cover at work, and you can harness or unleash, I would say, uh, your maximum potential in the workplace. Thank uh, you very much. organization, I'm director mm-hmm. of talent development, where I work on what we call our signature learning programs, those learning programs which are big and robust, and they are three to 14 days long, and we run them all over the world and really connect and make lifelong friends and watch people get promoted. One of our programs... Uh, we get 45% uh, promotion within a year. The other program, we are closer to 70% promotion within 18 months, and we are terribly excited about changing the world one person at a time. 
Well, that's the way to do it. Thank you very much. Your job obviously is very exciting. And I want to make sure we find out from Shuchi Sharma, what is gender intelligence? You lead this group at SAP. What does that mean, Shuchi? Great question, Bonnie. And really what that means is leveraging the strength everyone brings to the table. Men and women have equal, interesting, very valuable strengths. And how do we get an environment that leverages both equally? Um, And how do we create that organization and environment to ultimately really create a very inclusive culture, where, as Robbie said, people can show up and be their own authentic selves? And at SAC, our responsibility is to support our goal of moving more women into leadership. We crossed a great milestone recently of having 25% women in leadership, which is really outstanding for the tech industry. And mm-hmm. without skipping a beat, our CEO wanted to move to 30 by 2022. So in my role, using my background around business transformation and having been part of different areas of our business, like consulting, pre-sales marketing, I'm really trying to ensure that we can create an organization that leverages the strengths of women and men, move more women into leadership positions, uh, and ultimately drive a culture of inclusion that is going to drive our innovation and impact as a business, as we like to say at SAP, to make the world run better. Thank you very much. Very interesting. I, I want to go around the panel. We're just about ready to take our break. But the opening, I mentioned that our topic is career stretch and readiness. Is it different from a gender lens? I want to get an answer briefly from each panelist as kind of a, a teaser for the audience. So when we go to our break in just a minute or two, we know they're going to come back because they want the answer. But what do you say, Selena Resvani? You're going to talk about a, a report from Be Leaderly. Is there a gender difference in readiness to stretch? You know, there is uh, a myth of an ambition gap when it comes to stretch. In fact, both men and women want to stretch equally with women edging out men. So that's a little bit of a teaser I want to leave you with. Um, appetite to get up and stretch is level, and in cases where it's not, women outpace men in their appetite to do big things. Very interesting. Robert Solomon, what's your viewpoint on that, your POV, please? My take on it is women are professional stretchers and far surpass men's ability to do so simply by the very nature of balancing work and life in a way that men haven't been charged to do. In the workplace, they don't get the same opportunity, so I'll stop there. Yes, I was hoping somebody would bring that up. Thank you. Extremely well put. Shuchi Sharma, what do you see? I couldn't agree more with more, with Robbie and Selena. And to add to what Robbie was saying, I think women are naturally, we stretch our minds in ways that are unexpected because society is not structured to allow us to normally stretch in ways that we would like to. And so just take the example of Stand Up to Cancer. I don't know if you've ever heard of this organization, no. but it was started by Katie Couric and another very high-profile media uh, icon, another female, both who had lost their husbands to cancer, and they turned the way research is currently done on its head and have driven incredible strides, discoveries as a result. They moved it to a very, from a very solo 
singularly focused research model where people are competing to a more collaborative knowledge sharing model and that has driven discovery all over the world and they just changed the funding and business model. So we stretch in ways that people would never expect and I think it does come naturally as Robbie and Selena both said earlier. Very interesting. I'm going to share a quick story here, and then we'll take our break, I promise. I was hired as a contractor by SAP. I thought it was a three-month gig. It turns out it was six months. The instructions weren't clear, but I really wanted to stay and asked my manager if they could find a full-time position for me, and she did very quickly. It was a mutual mutual love. I want to be here. We want you here. But uh, shortly into my tenure at SAP, we were on a team call, and she mentioned she was looking for somebody to work with a, a design agency, a video creation agency and create a series of MythBuster videos about SAP that would have global reach. I had never done professional corporate videos before, but I was so excited that on that call, I virtually and verbally raised my hand and said, I'm interested. This is Bonnie. I'm interested. And they didn't know my voice yet. It was that early. I got a call from her later that day, and she said, you got the assignment. And all of a sudden, I'm working with a very high-level video agency creating. They were just gorgeous. And we did a series of four. Within a couple of months, those videos were being used to open global meetings by some of the leaders in my part of SAP. There was no mention of my name, so I didn't need the credit. But my team members knew. And while these meetings were opening, and nobody was saying welcome to such and such a meeting, but the video was playing. It was there and it was exciting and the music was great and the the everything was great the illustrations and the quotes from customers and my teammates were texting me and saying you rock you go girl that's great and they knew and I knew and I was dancing up and down literally jumping up and down with tears of joy that was my stretch very early on any quick comments on on is that a way to stretch when somebody says we need somebody to do it and you just jump up and say yes Selena quick comment from you and then Robbie and then and then Suchi and I promise we'll go to break what do you think Yeah, and I think it's that visual is the perfect visual for a career stretch assignment, that jumping up and down, I'm guessing, with a little bit of elation and a little bit of fear mixed together. But something stood out to me about what you said, which is you didn't have all the information. You were kind of given a vague charge initially, and and that's so often the, the situation for people. They have imperfect information, partial understanding of what they're going to do, Um Interestingly, a lot of successful people will say yes anyway, and I think that's a great nugget from what you just described. Thank you so much. Robbie, any thoughts on that? Absolutely. I would always say yes. The answer is always going to be yes to an opportunity. No such thing as a bad time for a good opportunity. Um, If the answer has to be no, then it has to be no, right? But um, in terms of stretch assignments and professional growth, I'm saying yes and Learn how to frame. Make sure that if this is a stretch assignment that is destined for failure, that you frame that failure in a way that you are better positioned as well as the organization is better positioned because of the way that you failed, if that if you end up failing. So we want to say, yes, we want to take those opportunities. We want to grow. We want to learn. We want to add to our experiences such that when the next opportunity comes, we are a better candidate for that next stretch assignment. Thank you, Robbie. Shuchi, thoughts? My colleague at SAP? 
Bonnie, your story really reminded me of uh, a story a woman I met who was a vice president at a bank told me once, and I'll tell you very quickly. She rose through the ranks in this bank as the only woman in the room most of the time. And when asked what, what was the secret sauce to her success, she said, you know, I did the things nobody else wanted to. And ah. that's how I got noticed. I took the projects nobody was willing to do. I did them. I made them successful. And that's how I got noticed. So I think your story is, is uh, rings true of that very same mantra. And uh, I would only uh, agree wholeheartedly with... Uh, the recommendations provided. Absolutely. Thank you very much. And guess what? I have breaking news for my three panelists. We're going to skip the break because we've just been so diving so quickly, deeply into this topic. I don't want to take the 90 seconds off and it's already 35 after. I want to hit some of the hot spots, the high points in the notes you each took the time to send me before the show. So just take a deep breath. If you've got a sip of something there, let's just just keep on going. So Selena Resvani at Be Leaderly, I'm looking at your notes. Let's see if we can hit a couple of hot spots here. You say, interestingly, ambition is relatively level between men, between men and women when considering top spots in a company. A third of both men and women want to make it to the SVP level or the C-suite. So talk to me. What happens in terms of, we said women are more likely to stretch. Or Robbie mentioned they don't always get those opportunities. The ambition, the drive will stretch assignments, propel women to the C-suite more quickly or more noticeably. Selena, what does your research show? Yeah, it, it stretch assignments certainly can and will, and there's some considerations in choosing them, right? Um, especially so that you can negotiate them on your own terms to align with what you need in your career. But here's what I think is really interesting. Women are just as ambitious as, as men, as you just pointed out. But if you speak to senior level executives who mentor or sponsor women, they will sometimes say, uh, put their fingers on this perception, this one more experience perception, I call it, which is, um, oh, I'm interested in that stretchy opportunity or promotion, but I need one more fill in the blank to be ready to apply for it, to go for it. You know, yes. don't I need one more experience? And our data really uh, aligned with that and corroborated that perception, which is that women do have a little bit of a higher bar in our sample of, of professionals when it comes to operating at the next level. You know, um, there's been a, a kind of long debate about should people be promoted based on potential or based mm-hmm. on performance? And some of the research out there has shown men are more likely to get promoted based on potential, what I think you can do, versus performance, the results I've seen from you today. Um, So there's something to be said about that perception and that potential barrier to stretching, right? That um, our own self-assessment of what we can do or at what level we should be performing is an indicator of whether we'll raise our hand. Fa- absolutely fascinating. I want to go around the table quickly, Robbie Solomon and then Shushi Charma, to get your thoughts on this, and I'm going to move on quickly to another statement from Robert so we can keep this roundtable going. Robbie, what do you think about Selena, her note so, she so just said? Selena's research is, uh, is spot on. 
very consistent with trends and data since the 1960s. New just also published research with Mercer that echoes a lot of the same things. And the more research I read, the more I'm, I'm moving away from the embracing of research and saying, you know what, the numbers have been so clear that it's no longer about the numbers or profitability. This is about culture. How do we really address the people and organizations such that we acknowledge that we have a problem? And it's a problem that only the people within the organizations can truly resolve. We want to see women as less than, and not only do we want to see them as less than, we want to pay them less than. And I'm really passionate about this, not only because of the work that I do, but also the women that have been influential in my life, starting with my mother, my wife, my daughter, and how I watch uh, them not get the same opportunities that I have been given when they may be better prepared. So it's a cultural thing, but I think the data we absolutely have to have and continue putting it out there so we can track and see metrics, but we have to get to this cultural component where we acknowledge, look, this is just not right anymore, and let's stop doing it. Thank you, Robbie. Shuchi, join us, please. Thoughts? You know, I, I think one of the things we need to recognize is that these stretch assignments are a huge benefit to organizations as well from an innovation perspective because they allow for other voices to be heard. And hearing voices from other maybe lower levels in the organization really allows for more diversity of thought and ultimately can really be a driver of success for an organization. Um, And you've got to create the environment for it. And that's what is I think often a struggle for organizations, they're unable to recognize that or understand how they go about creating that environment that is going to nurture um, and encourage people to take risks. I think sponsorship plays a huge role in that, uh, especially for women and minorities and organizations, and we need to think broadly and be very generous here um, to ensure that we can sponsor individuals in the organization to do these types of assignments to take these risks. And often they're just, it's, it's not a big, scary ordeal to do so. It's, it's daily behaviors of uh, kind gestures to open doors and make introductions and support people on their journey. Uh, and those are the things that we have to do in an unstructured, structured, or maybe even hybrid manner. Thank you, Shuchi. I know that was one of your passionate notes you sent me today about the topic. I'm glad you got that in there. And that's a perfect segue for me to turn to some notes from Robert F. Solomon, Jr. We're being very formal here, Robbie, after we already used your nickname. (laughs) Robbie sent me the following, and this goes very well, I think, with what Shuchi just said. Networking is not optional. Your network is a critical asset to success, individual and collective. It is akin to a degree, a certification, work history, etc. However, unfortunately, a surprising number of people abhor translation for young people hate the idea of networking, but everyone does it, some intentionally, some unintentionally. Talk to me about the value of networks. You're working for a network, Robbie. You're working for the network of executive women, so you live with that term every day. What does this mean for stretch assignments? is something that we have to do. We have to build collective sets of relationships um, and leverage those relationships to get something done. And men and women use relationships very differently in the organization. And so we, we really push and share a lot of research about different types 
of networking, and one of which is operational, meaning who are the people within an organization that you absolutely have to have connectivity with to get your job done. The personal networks of those people that you connect with, that your, your sister friend at work, your brother, uh, that you can go to and share those confidential moments and say, is it just me or is that person really off their rocker? And then the last, person, the last set of networks that we really push are about strategic networks. Those are the people within the organization and outside of the organization that have a broader, more global view to the world and what's coming. So not just going skating to where the puck is, as Wayne Gretzky would say, but skating to where the puck is going. So as you are developing your relationships, it behooves you to have each of these networks in place growing and evolving, and they're dynamic. They're not static. Uh, they shrink over time. And one of the things that I always like to share with people is you don't have to like everyone in your network. In fact, there are going to be some people that you dislike, abhor, uh, maybe. But what they bring to your network is still essential. Thank you very much. Interesting. Shuchi, would you like to comment on networking? What do you think? Is it still alive and well? Good thing for Stretch? Do you need to know the right people? Absolutely. And I love, Robbie, I love your uh, sort of framework that you just outlined. And I think it's, it's fascinating when you talk about gender differences in terms of how women and men both network. And I think Robbie is, is spot on. What I often observe is networking can be very effective if you think about think of it as helping others, about sharing your knowledge, about making connections, mm-hmm. about making introductions, because that always comes back to you, and you, that's how you build relationships, and women are excellent at that, uh, but men are also very good at, at that, because somehow they have this understood, implicit quid pro quo, I'm going to scratch your back, and I know, my friend, you're going to scratch mine one day, and that works very well for them in their own um, specific networks, and, and that's something I think everybody can learn from and, and embrace more is that when we are helping other people, we need to also um, ensure that we feel comfortable asking them for help as well. Very well put. I want to get Selena. I want to get we're running really tight on time here. I want to get Selena to comment on this if that's okay. Go ahead, Selena. Yes. Um, my fellow panelists are right on the money with having that generosity mindset. How can I help somebody else? There's lots of dimensions to networking. I'm a big believer you need a network long before you need to build it long before you need to call on it, right, for help. And I see this relating to stretch because they're they're not just a source of information for someone looking to stretch. Let me ask so-and-so. They're an example of someone who did it who can de-risk it for you um, so that you can see, oh, it worked for them. Look how it helped them in their career. I did a survey a few years ago with LinkedIn, and I will never forget one finding that came out of it. Um, It was around negotiating, and it showed the people who networked the most were the most confident negotiators. I Mm. think that premise, you know, generally speaking, I think that extends to stretch opportunities. Those people who network most often are probably going to be a lot more comfortable raising their hand and and taking it. Um, Here's my one challenge. I think we should have more transparency in these networks, in these um, groups we talk to. It feels too much like a secret club. Um, where you have this secret access to information or sponsors or mentors. 
how can you add a little, you know, sunlight to disinfect that network and make it a wow. little accessible to all <laughs> kinds of people? That's that's colorful language, disinfecting and sunlight and all that. I, I like the idea. I, I want to bring in something here from Shuchi's notes. I, I think we get one more topic in before we go to our predictions round. And I want to just do a sidebar here to my three wonderful panelists. I'm inviting the three of you back for part two of this. So don't feel that we need to squeeze everything in. We will continue this conversation. If you accept my invitation, I think the next open date is somewhere in May, but I will send you an invite. Would you like to come back and keep this going, Robbie and the other two, and Shuchi and Selena, yes? Absolutely. Yes, coffee. Absolutely, <laughs> Good. Now, I want to bring in a note here from Shuchi's list. She says, in order for us to move the needle on gender equity, and we're talking about stretch in many different ways, career stretch, but opportunities, men have to be involved in the conversation. So I, I want to ask Selena, do you think that's part of disinfecting in the sunlight and transparency? Just answer a yes or no, and then I want Shuchi to elaborate, please. So, Selena, is that what you're talking about? 100% yes. <laughs> see how well see how well this all works out when you each come at it with your independent point of view. We end up with such nuggets and it all fits together beautifully. Shuchi Sharma, talk to me now. Involve men in the conversation. Why aren't they in it to begin with? Talk to us. Well, you know, I think it's fair to say we see at the top echelons of most of the organizations and companies around the world, men hold the majority of leadership positions. And what we're seeing is we have a very leaky pipeline in terms of women in tech. So they're perhaps in the jobs for about seven to ten years, and then they drop out. So they're not... We have, they're not making it to those higher levels, but that's where they really drive innovation. And it doesn't seem to make sense for us to ignore that. There's a very small population of people that are going into technology, for example, today, right? So why would we choose to ignore half of those people when such a small percentage across all professions go into technology, engineering, et cetera? Uh, that's one example from my line of work, but I think it, it translates to many others. And men, as sitting in those leadership positions, need to understand that it is in their best interest to create a more diverse organization with a variety of perspectives that are going to change and challenge the status quo. That's how we move forward. Change is the only constant, right? Um, and we, we need to remove bias. So most of these people are not poor-intentioned or malintentioned in any way, but we carry subconscious biases with us as human beings. And if we can find ways to engage men and, and share and raise awareness of unconscious bias, we're going to bring a more diverse population to the table um, to drive a lot of what the impact that I've been talking about. Thank you. Love to get some quick thoughts here from Selena on this and then Robbie, and then we will go to our predictions round quickly. Selena? Yeah, Shuchi is right on the money, and, and 80% of leaders, something in that neighborhood, are men. <laughs> so, uh, yes, of course, they need to be, you know, invited to the party. And to your earlier point, Bonnie, you know, why aren't they there in the first place? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's transparency, transparency, transparency. How can we make it about holding each other to account, right, with 
very clear behaviors we want to see in people with very clear leadership you know qualifications that we want people to espouse and show you know to me it's so much about being crystal clear with what we want and holding people accountable men and women when they don't display it or when they hire somebody who doesn't have those kinds of qualities and behaviors um I heard a great story the other day. An acquaintance said that a man smacked himself in the head in the middle of a meeting and said, dope, I was about to mansplain. And he stopped himself, right? Mansplaining is this idea of explaining something, (laughs) particularly to a woman, in a kind of patronizing way. And, And I think there has to be the space and the comfort to do that for all of us. To be able to correct out loud and acknowledge, oops, I, I, I was doing something that was a little biased. I was, um, was going to not look at the kind of leadership behaviors we want. I was going to do something out of default um, setting. And, and I love the idea of challenge, holding each other to account and challenging each other when we don't do something we said we would. Thank you very much. I, I have to ask Robbie Solomon. Do you ever mansplain, Robbie? Come on, you got to fess up here. Yes or no? Absolutely. Like, and the thing about being conscious or socially aware or self-aware, and you surrounding your people who are surrounding yourself with people who are willing to call you out on your nonsense, and, and I think that is absolutely essential. What I heard Sushi and uh, Selena also mention was this idea of unconscious bias. And we are, we've got to get to the place where we stop giving the free pass on unconscious bias. When we look around a boardroom that services a very, very diverse audience, yet it is overwhelmingly white male, that's no longer unconscious bias. We, we should just call it what it is. It, it's, it's, it's bias. It's very conscious bias. And not penalize people for what is but penalize them for not moving forward. We all have to have progress. So surrounding yourself with people who can call you on your nonsense when you start mansplaining, which is a term I have not heard, but I will certainly give credit. <laughs> you when have I now. <laughs> um, I will certainly give credit when I use it. Uh, is really, really good. And I will say that where I work, um, we don't really run into that a whole lot because... Um, they don't let you. No, it does not happen. Uh, even when we host our meetings with senior-level executives, uh, rarely have I seen that in those settings, but that's because the room is quite diverse. Okay, I need to stop you there because we're going to save a lot more of this for part two. I don't need anything else from you except new opening quotes, the three of you. I'll email you. But we have just enough time for about two sentences each, not 60 seconds, two quick sentences on what you see in the crystal ball for predictions. Coming down the pike, let's focus on I think 2020 is way too soon. Let's look at 2025 if we dare. Career stretch and readiness different from a gender lens question mark. Selena Resvani at Be Leaderly. Go. Two sentences. What do you see? Yeah. Uh, yes, I think companies that get stretch, that get it, will win the war for talent. I think uh, the economy is moving towards more people employ- being employed, uh, an employee's market. It's going to be harder to attract and keep employees. Our study showed women are less engaged. They're less likely to think companies are doing a good job promoting them. 
So companies that get it are going to have a competitive advantage. Thank you. That's clear cut. Robert Solomon, two sentences. I'll give you three because she took three. Go ahead, Robbie. Gender diversity will fall absolutely flat if gender diversity does not include intersectionality, which means gender and race, gender and religion, gender and other malign communities. Interesting. Shuchi Sharma. Two sentences. I'll give you three and a half because they took them. Go ahead, Shuchi. You're so kind, Bonnie. First (laughs) and foremost, the workplace is changing. It's becoming more flexible, more dynamic, uh, more less structured, and there's no more command and control. So stretch assignments have a huge role to play in how organizations make uh, new products, new services, new ideas. Last, there is no us versus them in this conversation. Uh, Gender intelligence is about leveraging the difference in strength of each gender equally. And why would we not do that? It makes us so much more powerful as a society. Uh, We've got to think big and not let some of these biases that we have inherently stop us. Thank you very much. I uh, Really, really fast. I almost didn't get my first job right out of when I got two degrees in uh, what would be, would be STEM today, computer uh, programming, computer operations. It was either they were hiring a, either a woman or a person of color, a man of color or me, and they didn't know quite what to do. I ended up getting the job based on qualifications, but it was interesting. My entire life career would have been a different trajectory if I hadn't gotten that job, but I'll give you more about that on part two. I have to do a shout Shout out to Joe Miller at Be Leaderly. Joe, thank you so much for the introduction to Selena. She's wonderful and smart and enlightening. And thank you so much, Dr. Patty Fletcher at SAP. Thank you also for being part of setting this up. And to my three panelists, I can't wait to have you back on the show and do part two. Selena Resvani at Be Leaderly, Robert Solomon at NEW, and Shuchi Sharma at SAP. I will be in touch with you. We'll set a date really soon. Shout out, of course, to Aaron, our engineer extraordinaire at the Business Channel at World Talk Radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I plan to be next time you hear from me, which will be tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Business Channel with a new episode of Internet of Things with Game Changers. We'll be talking about IoT sensors. Do we really know where we are? Huh. We'll find out with the sensors talk to us. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Selena, just like Robbie, and just like Shushi. Signing off for now. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.